Welcome back into the Financial Safari. Coach Pete DeRuta, best-selling author here. We're in the middle of an interview with the author of Millionaire Teacher, The Nine Rules of Wealth You Should Have Learned in School. That is Andrew Holland. Welcome back in, guys. I'm excited to continue this uh, this interview here. Yeah, that's Thomas Lipscomb over there. He said yes, he Coach Pete, but I'm Coach Pete over here. <laughs> Thomas is over there on the other side of the glass. Hey, Andrew, this book is fascinating. And, you know, I've got Thomas will tell you. Thomas, how many bookshelves do I have upstairs? A few. A few. <laughs> a, a few tens of tens? Yeah, it's not bit, hundred, it's but a, a few tens. It's a bit like a library. <laughs> I've got so many books in the financial world, and this has been one of the most fascinating ones. And, and I, you know, how do I do it? Well, I go to Amazon, and I just buy books all the time. And I see it every now and then I find an author who really knows what he's talking about and, and presents it in a way where you can know what he's talking about. Yeah. Andrew, Andrew is uh, on with us. Again, he is the author of Millionaire Teacher, The Nine rules of wealth you should have learned in school. Andrew, they never taught us anything about wealth in school, did they? No. And that's the crazy thing because, you know, so many people think, well, you've got to learn that from your parents. But if they didn't learn it from school, (laughs) they didn't learn it from somewhere. It's like everybody's just kind of dancing around in the snow naked and uh, pretending (laughs) that uh, that they know what they're doing. Well, you know, I, I, most of the people I talk to in the, that, that are talking about the financial world, uh, say they really have no clue. I talked to one guy years ago. He said he basically takes his wallet and he throws it into the distance and he goes try to find it. That's how he, when he spends money on marketing, he tries to see if he, he doesn't know if it's going to be good or not. So that's the equivalent of taking your wallet, throwing it way into the distance and seeing if you can go find it, throw it again. <laughs> <laughs> but we, we, uh, we have a spend first philosophy in this country, especially, and it can be attributed to our love affair with the TV set because any show you watch on TV or even listen on the radio has to be sponsored by someone. And there was a term back in the day, and I didn't know what it meant until I got older. Mom used to watch something called soap operas. <laughs> you, know why they know, you know why they call them soap operas? <laughs> they were designed by the laundry industry to try to find a way to present their product to a very captive audience, usually of women at home, housewives. And the best way to do that was design a drama that went on for years and really never happened. Like, you can join a soap opera that you haven't seen in three or four years. You can watch it again, and it's probably only moved one or two weeks in that, in that <laughs> soap opera world. So, but they had to find a way to, to, to get a captive audience to sell stuff to, and the TV set was the best way to do it. So any show you see has these things called commercials. Or if you pay extra for, this, for the stations that don't have commercials, you still have product placement in there. So if you're watching a movie and someone's drinking a Coke, that magic can of Coke didn't end up uh, on there by accident, by the way. Coke paid the, the sponsor or the people of the movie, so sponsor fee, to make sure they have it on there. So mm-hmm. what we have to do, Andrew, is realize, number one, is realize we're always being marketed to, especially on TV, don't we? Oh, absolutely. And on the Internet. Yeah, Internet. Oh, yeah, Internet. Well, that's the new TV. <laughs> <laughs> that's a yeah, whole level of a whole level of pointed marketing. Yeah, because they know a lot more about you on the Internet, so they can target the ads right to you that can entice you even more because they have psychologists on staff and all this kind of stuff. So the magic of the money world, mom always told me this when I was little. She said, you've got, when I had my paper route, so I'd come home and I'd, I was a rich dude. I had like $30 from a week of paper routing. <laughs> That's profit. And she said, little Pete, the magic now is you've got this money in your pocket. And everybody else wants to take the money out of your pocket. And so that's what, that's what happens. And we get enticed by the ads or the, oh, the lifestyles of the rich and famous, those kind of things. They have a, a show on MTV called uh, MTV Crips, I think it's called, or where they feature different houses of uh, the celebrities you see and how much money they spent. And it looks like they, they glorify spending money. And, Andrew, you, you would probably argue that's not the best strategy, is it? No, I know. And it's, it's so interesting how many of those people actually 
don't have money. So, you know, we, we hear stories all the time about actors making Johnny Depp was a prime example. He's probably one of the latest high profile examples where, you know, how much money did that guy make during the, the Pirates of the Caribbean? Tons, man. You know, it was, it's a funny thing because the reason, the reason I, I mean, I don't go around sort of looking for these stories, but um, somebody sent me an, an article written by the India Times of all things, like some newspaper in India. And, it, and it's online. And they said, hey, you're mentioned in this India Times article with Johnny Depp. Like, why would I be mentioned with Johnny Depp? <laughs> and what the journalist was saying was saying, um, okay, here's an example of a guy who didn't earn a lot of money. You know, he's a school teacher, but he didn't do dumb things with his money. He didn't spend extravagantly. He invested it intelligently. And over time, you know, he allowed compound interest to do its work. And, and he ended up, you know, a, a millionaire. And then we have, on the other end, we have this guy, Johnny Depp, who's made an absolute fortune. And the juxtaposition was really, really interesting. And my, my wife's always had this massive crush on Johnny Depp. And so I took this article to her and I said, her name is Pelly. I said, hey, Pelly, India Times says I'm way cooler than Johnny Depp. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's funny when you see some of these Hollywood celebrities without their makeup on, you don't even realize who they are. No, you don't. And, <laughs> and for any of our listeners who may not know, Depp ended up losing $650 million due to the mismanagement that we're discussing here. Uh, and if I'm saying this right, another $100 million he still owes in back taxes to the IRS. See, that's a problem. Whoa. You make a lot of money, you spend a lot of money, and you forget that your best friend wants some of that money, too. Your best friend is Uncle Sam. Uncle Sam. And Uncle Cooper, if you're in North Carolina. So that's a governor. That's the state taxes. So we need to know that when we make money, we need to put at least 30% or more aside for taxes because that's not our money. Mm -hmm. And that's, <laughs> it goes out a lot quicker than it comes in, doesn't it, Andrew? <laughs> yeah, it does. And you know what, it, what gets me thinking, guys, too, about this is the, you know, I think about those who say, geez, you know, I wish I was, I grew up in a family where we, we had more money and maybe parents could help me out a little bit more with things like down payment on a house or with a car. And, but, the reality is there's this there's this sweet spot where adversity is actually a really good thing, like some degree of financial adversity, not enough to crush you, but you know we, we need to be able to build our own personal financial muscles. And a guy yeah. like Johnny Depp or a sports athlete, like the money gets thrown at them so easily. They do what they love, yep. and then they get paid millions of dollars for it. So it's just like kind of money falling out of the clouds. They don't have a real sense of how to manage it. They are basically financially illiterate. Like, let's just say it how it is. Yep. It's, you know, it sounds kind of hardcore, but to say that somebody like Johnny Depp is financially illiterate, might be mm -hmm. an awesome guy, but that's the reality. And so, you know, you, you build financial literacy and I think you can build a lot of pride just by it's, you know, as the Spanish say, poco a poco, right? Just bit by bit, uh, doing small things well over time. It's kind of like a baseball game where you just continue to hit singles. It's really hard to beat a team that just continues to hit singles in every baseball game. Yeah. It's Thomas, you notice how that Andrew tried to drop in the uh, little bragging there. He knows Spanish now because he's traveling all around. Too. <laughs> I know, that's all I know. <laughs> Folks, we are talking to uh, the author of The Millionaire Teacher, The Nine Rules of Wealth You Should Have Learned in School. His name is Andrew Holland. Andrew, there's, and this book is packed. It really is packed. Each chapter has a lot of subchapters that we could do a whole show on each subchapter. But I want to skip over to Rule 9, your not Chapter 9, basically Rule 9, Avoid Seduction. Now, what are you talking about there? Oh, it's the stuff that get-rich-quick promises. And, you know, every generation ends up, uh, ends up succumbing to this in one way, shape, or form. 
And once that momentum starts to roll, it it starts to look like more and more, there are more and more ways to make really fast, easy money. And, yeah. and I think that's probably what you guys are alluding to. And we've got that probably now uh, more than we've ever had since perhaps the, the late 1990s when anything that was you know listed as a, a dot-com, any kind of company that was related to the internet was rising, the stock was rising like crazy, despite the fact that in most cases, these businesses earned very little if any money. And, you know, we're in another era like that, aren't we? I mean, yeah. you've got the same kind of thing, a lot of these meme stocks, and you've got, you know, crypto. You know last I checked, <laughs> do, you guys, do you guys know how many cryptocurrencies there are? There's a ton. Make a guess. Make a guess. <laughs> oh, God, there's, there's there's thousands of new ones every day. I mean, let's, let's, yeah. say, let's say a million. I don't know. That's probably too much. But I mean, like, You're right. There, there, are, there are thousands of them. I believe now there are there are more cryptocurrencies than there are stocks on the New York Stock Exchange. Wow. wow. Okay. I've got a we Carl just, Sagan moment. There are millions and millions of cryptos. <laughs> well, we just yeah, had no, a I think, I think it's something like 6,000 or something wow, silly. Um, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a tremendous. And of course, like you say, every day somebody is creating a new oh, one. All over the place. And yeah, yeah. Is there, there such. Are, uh, well, here's, here's the thing Is there such a thing as get rich quick? I mean, it happens. Somebody wins a lottery and. Well, sure. th yeah, uh, but that's get lucky and, quick. <laughs> it, well, yeah, and and I think all of this is 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 a lot of get lucky quick. Yeah, and so the, the problem with the whole get lucky quick story is that you know for <laughs> for every uh, for every one that you hear, there were a thousand that ended up catastrophically failing, mm -hmm. and rather than trying to get tempted to build wealth really really quickly is to try to put peer-reviewed economic science in your favor. You know, build a low-cost, diversified investment portfolio, continue to add money every month, allow compound interest and dollar-cost averaging to do their thing. That's what most normal people kind of have to do. I mean, we have salaries that most people don't have gargantuan salaries, so we save a portion of that. But if we just able if we're able to ignore stock market forecasts ignore the economy just build a fully diversified investment portfolio that's low cost keep adding money to it if we do that we are going to outperform the vast majority of professional investors over our lifetime and that's yeah. a that's an irrefutable premise when and, and when people hear diversified a lot of times they think just stocks bonds mutual funds but i think we should go one step further diversify amongst risk and safety so now you have some safe assets and some risk assets all together that gives you more peace of mind when we're in a bad market economy knowing that some of your portfolio is not tied to the market you know what i'm saying so that's why the diversification is very important not just to fall for stocks bonds mutual funds which are all risk and so when the market goes down, you lose a lot of money there. If interest rates start going up, your bond prices go down. So we have to be very careful what's going on here. Hey, got, got about 30 seconds here on this segment, but can you tell folks in your research, what's the worst scam you've ever seen? Ponzi's, Ponzi's. I, yeah. I still get people telling me about some wonderful investment opportunity where somebody's promising them 30% a year. <laughs> they'll send me the prospectus. They'll tell yep. me it's a really nice guy. He used to work for JP Morgan Chase. Yep. He's amazing. He's so bright. He's brilliant. He has a Ferrari. Yeah, he's <laughs> and we have two after I get done investing. <laughs> I'll tell you guys, it's actually, it's actually, you guys know this. You guys know this. I mean, these things, you know, when you, when you get these things, they don't say Ponzi scheme. No, they don't. They say best investment ever. <laughs> best, best brochures. It's actually hard. Yep. It's actually been hard a couple of times. It's been hard for me to talk 
some friends out of a scheme that just screams Ponzi. Well, it's actually hard for me to talk them out of it. And they've read my book, Millionaire Teacher, and they've, they've heard me talk and they've, they've, seen, they've read my articles. But still, it's a weird thing about human nature. There, there's, a, there's a greed button. There's fear fear and greed. People, fear and greed. Yep. Yeah, Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, that's been a it's been a fun interview. We'd love to have you back on in the future. Folks, again, his name was Andrew Holloman, and the book is Millionaire Teacher. You can buy it anywhere books are sold. The subtitle, The Nine Rules of Wealth You Should Have Learned in School. And, uh, folks, we'll be right back. Uh, that, well, thanks, Andrew, by the way, and we'll be right back after this. 